0: Movie date is supported by the Movie Music Stream at yourclassical.org. Soundtracks
1: for every moment of the day and features that complement your listening experience. Movies at yourclassical.org. Kristen, it's summertime at the movies, and you know what you get during summertime at the movies? Anthropomorphized animals. Yes. Always popular. Oh, yes. Why is it that we like why is it that we like to see furry animals? Behave like humans.
0: Because they're so cute. Is that what they're it does? They're
1: so but, cute. Is that what it is? It's some kind of, it's some Who kind does of it weird... Who doesn't like to
0: see a panda go down a slide?
1: Yeah, it, that's or, what I mean. Why is Or a little
0: hamster it? eating little tiny burritos. <laughs>
1: the, Who doesn't love that? Oh, gosh, I love that burrito even, hamster. Even I cracked up at they're the burrito so hamster. so cute. So do yeah, there's Go on the of, there's... internet,
0: folks. Look at that hamster up. <laughs> so
1: cute. <laughs> the burritos look great. Oh, yeah. That's uh, this
0: week's sweatpants. The end. The no. <laughs> end.
1: Well, we have two two anthropomorphized animals. We were going to say that, they, that they're two talking animals, but only only one talks, actually. But uh, one says so much more with its oh, eyes. Oh, Kristen, you're so right. Uh, <laughs> the first movie we're going to talk about is Max. It's a film about a military working dog who is traumatized from his service in Afghanistan He loses his handler and comes home to uh, rejoin his handler's family. Uh, And the other movie we'll talk about is Ted 2, the sequel to Seth MacFarlane's Ted, the little talking teddy bear with the foul mouth. He's back trying to prove in court that he's actually not just property but a person. We'll talk about both of those. And what else do we have, Kristen? We also have a couple of exciting sweatpants picks and...
0: We have an interview with Lisa Simone Kelly. That's the daughter of Nina Simone. There's a new movie about Nina Simone out right now. It's a documentary that you learn a lot of facts about Nina Simone and that might really surprise you. So we talk with Lisa Simone Kelly about what some of those revealing aspects of her mom's life are. All that, plus, of course, trivia. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway.
1: And I'm Rayford Guzman, movie critic for Newsday, and this is Movie Day.
2: Blossom on the tree, you know how I feel. It's a new dome, it's a new day, it's a new life. Yeah. Me, and I'm good.
1: Okay, Kristen, let's talk about Max. This is a new family film, uh, stars a uh, Belgian Malinois, military working dog. He's out in Afghanistan. Uh, He's uh, being handled by Kyle, a Marine, played by uh, Robbie Amell from The Duff. Yes. and uh,
0: Loved him in The Duff.
1: I loved him in The Duff as well. Uh, this is not a spoiler. Uh, Kyle is killed in action. We and learned that in like the first seven yeah, minutes. We, so. we, we yeah. know this. If you've Pretty seen fast. the trailers, you also know this. Um, and uh, Max is uh, traumatized. He's got PTSD. He comes back to the States and is given to uh, Kyle's family where Kyle's little brother, uh, Justin, is going through some hard times himself. It may be that Max and Justin are just what each other needs. Let's hear a clip. All right, Max, such a superstar. Let's see you work off
0: leash. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. No guts, no
1: glory. Now walk with him like we were just doing. You, Thanks. Well, I do not believe what I'm seeing.
0: How'd you get him to do that? He already knew, ma'am. We were just refreshing his memory. Ah, yes, there's also a little tiny bit of a teen romance there that you can hear in that clip. Because what we have is not just the friendship between this boy and this dog... But this girl who knows how to handle dogs. And, yes. She, yes. Just, she
1: just happens to work with rescue dogs. And yes. she knows all about uh, Belgian Malinois and, uh, and all kinds of other dogs. Yeah. And she's got like a million chihuahuas in her house. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Those chihuahuas are pretty cute, actually.
0: <laughs> I mean, most of the dogs are pretty cute in this movie, sure. right?
1: Even the Rottweilers are cute.
0: Ah, yes. I'm glad you brought up the Rottweilers because that's where some of the tension in the story comes from. Yes. Not only do we, do we have the tension of this dog with PTSD and this little boy finding each other. But we also have the tension of possibly some bad guys and the Rottweilers who used to be associated with Kyle back in Afghanistan.
1: Yes, but they've gone down the wrong path. Yes, they
0: have, which, you know, that happens sometimes. And sometimes you need your dog to help you through that situation. That's right. So, Rafer, this is a family movie. You're somebody who has kids. You have a family. That's right. And... We've talked about this before, about how a lot of family movies just make you want to die when you're watching them. You just, (laughs) oh, like, why? Why? That's true. Why? That's did, true. Did you just want to die when you watched this?
1: Well, the, you know, this is one of those movies that initially looks like a real uh, a cornball weeper, and it is. Uh, and it it looks it, it, from the trailers, you might think that it is maybe a faith a faith based film, and it has a little uh, some little bits of that. Uh, Lauren Graham plays the mom, and she's you know she uh, she does she does talk a little bit about God and how God doesn't want you to do this and that. And um, I did notice uh, the film takes place in a, a small town in Texas, and for some strange reason, I could never figure out. Um, there's a 4th of July parade. And one of the fire trucks is coming down the street um, and you're looking at it and right across the front, in giant, giant letters, it says faith on the front of the fire truck. And I was like, is that the town? Is that just a motto? What is that? I don't, I don't know what that is. But regardless of all that, I thought that Max, for all its hokiness, actually had some fairly good things to recommend it. I thought the cast was pretty good. I think Lauren Graham is really good as the mom. I think Thomas Taden Church, who is a former Marine and is from Texas or grew up in Texas. And he's uh, the dad. He's the dad. I think he does pretty well. Josh Wiggins is the kid. He's kind of a newcomer. I, I liked him as Justin, this kind of wayward teen. He's not... He's not too snarky. He's not too sappy. He kind of struck me as a real kid who is just ticked off about some things. He's he's ticked off at his dad. He's ticked off at his brother, who he was never close to, is now dead. And he's mad. He's a mad kid, but he's not a terrible kid. And he's also not a big softy ball of goo at heart either. He seemed like a real kid to me. And so even though I think Max is basically your pretty standard, pretty soggy family film, I thought I had just enough little edges of the real world here and there to make me feel like it was it was passable. Would I take my ki- my two kids to it? Not really. My two kids are more into like laser guns and people falling down and potty jokes. But and there's not a, <laughs> there's none of that in Max. But as a family film I thought it was okay. I thought it was I thought Max was an okay date.
0: Interesting because I was thinking I would actually take your kids to this movie. Oh, you would? Cuz I thought your kids were about the right age for it and Maybe. I thought when I watched the movie I thought this has me rolling my eyes a lot as a grown-up. Some of the lines are just so abysmal. They're, they're really just like, honey, just give your father a chance.
1: <laughs> well, yes, there's well, there's yes. a lot
0: of woman deferring to man. There's a lot of patriarchy. There's a lot mm-hmm. of faith. There's a lot of guns. There's actually references to going to the mall and buying guns. Do you know how much this gun would cost at the mall? Yes, right. That's you right. Know? Well, it's, you know, it's Texas. It, I mean, it, you know. it is Texas, but it feels that there's a lot of moralizing and lifestyling that I'm not totally on board with in this movie, but... Hmm. All that being said, that dog is just so likable.
1: Max, yeah, yeah, he's
0: he's good. Max has the best lines. Max has the most expressive face. Max has the best fight scenes. (laughs) I
1: don't know. He's got the most
0: expressive. Yes, he does. Max is just so cute. Like you know, and it doesn't matter if he's looking suspicious of a person or (laughs) if he's looking supportive or if he's looking protective. Max pulls it off. He's a really great dog to yes, watch. Yes, really, he is. I really, I really love this dog.
1: He's played by several, by several Belgian Malinois, by the way. Just, <laughs> you don't just, so, you know, just no, so you know, no, it's just
0: one perfect dog named Max, a PTSD <laughs> dog who really served our country.
1: Well, did dog. he? Did he? Was was it enough to? Was it enough to? Was he enough to pull you through and make you give this movie a, a recommendation? I
0: would, I would give it a pass. Oh, you even would. though I'd say it's, it's not. It, I didn't love this movie, no. but I give it a pass mostly because I think anybody who brings their kids to this movie, including you, Rafer, I think they're gonna not be as upset
1: as they will during other kid movies. Okay, all right, that's good. So we're we're both at least lukewarm on Max. It, it's a so-so date. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I, okay. Agreed. Um, all right. Well, let's turn our attentions to another anthropomorphized animal, and that, of course, is Ted, the Bostonian teddy bear, voiced by Seth MacFarlane. Tell us about Ted, too. So you might recall if you watched the first Ted, but you don't have to even watch the first Ted to know
0: this. This is a teddy bear who has come to life, and he has a best friend played by Mark Wahlberg. They just do really douchey dude things. They smoke a lot of pot. They like porn. They yep. like talking about women in a way that's kind of you know objectifying. They're, they like being jerks and yelling at people just because it's fun. A lot of racist jokes. And pee jokes and sperm jokes, all that stuff. They're just, you know, they're a couple of grown men, sort of, but they're really just a couple of 13-year-old boys. So in this movie, Ted has found the love of his life. He marries her. But this woman with whom he wants to start a family, he can't really start a family with because he doesn't have the right equipment. That's
1: right. He's a teddy bear. He is just a teddy bear. He
0: is a teddy bear. Not just a teddy bear because in his mind, he's a human. He's a person. He deserves personhood rights. but. The court has to decide whether or not he's a person or whether he's property. They have to hire an attorney to help them, played by Amanda Seyfried. Here's a clip.
2: Okay, I'm going to ask you a few test questions. Are you ready?
0: Yep, bring it on.
2: You're on the stand. The DA says, Ted, do you consider yourself to be human?
0: Objection sustained.
2: No, the witness can't object.
0: Overruled. Sidebar. Guilty. Speculation. say. Bailiff. Briefcase. Disregard. In my chambers. Stop Beaver and the witness.
2: I We could totally be lawyers. I right.
1: Now, Kristen, you were not a fan of the original Ted, as I recall.
0: That is correct. I was not a fan of the original Ted. I thought that everything was just offensive and mean and not funny. Uh, and, and so I, I just want to say straight off the bat, I went into this with low expectations. Sure. Yes. Sure. I mean, you you actually liked the first one, sort of. Though, I didn't thought you? that
1: I thought the first head was actually very funny, um, and I thought it had uh, a little a little bit of a, a, a kind of a childlike sweetness at its at its center, despite all the kind of raunchy, foul mouthed uh, humor. And I liked the first one quite a bit. You know, sequels being what they are, I went into this. With somewhat low expectations too, or at least you know uh, I, I, I didn't i didn't i didn't walk in thinking Ted too is going to be great <laughs> uh, you know it's a sequel um and so Kristen, what did you think about this movie because you know it comes across in its premise at least with the right message here here is Here is Ted who is going to kind of force us to redefine our notions of A person, of a person in America that has rights. Uh, This comes at a time when, you know, uh, a time of uh, increased civil rights for gays. um, And especially, the movie makes a lot of this actually, um, gay marriage, which on this very day that we're recording this podcast has been approved by the Supreme Court. Five-four. Yes, Supremes. Yes.
0: However, it also is trying to make a lot of parallels with black civil rights. Yes. And I think that in doing so, It falls flat. It's trying to make parallels. However, at the same time, it's relying very, very heavily on jokes that are making fun, particularly of black men, black people in general, but of black men. And those jokes are not funny. Those jokes are offensive. Those jokes are really uh, not sophisticated. They're not smart. (laughs) Like if there was any intelligence to the jokes, it would be like blazing saddles. But none of those jokes are blazing saddle jokes. They're just really Horrible, racist jokes.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised at how this film managed to do two things. It managed to have a lot of what I thought were actually very eloquent speeches about civil rights and about, you know, there's a there's a scene where Amanda Seyfried says, you know, when the when the law devalues one kind of life, how soon before it devalues another? And she's not the only one who says these kind of eloquent, kind of forceful things about about civil rights and so the movie is on the one hand doing that and then on the other hand as you said it is just chronically racist like like just like dispiritingly shockingly racist to me and it's not so much well as you said it's it's specifically black men, and it is it's the same old jokes about black men and a certain part of the black male anatomy that has been a racist joke since like the slavery days. Yeah. I mean, it. Th- this is the kind of racist humor that's not just outdated. We're talking like a hundred fifty something years outdated. It's that really kind of surprised me, and we're not, and we're also not talking about one or two. You know, ha ha. Racist jokes. We're talking about chronic, repeated, running gags. Every few minutes, another one. Black, 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 black. Black
0: Black sperm. Black men. Kardashians and black men. Oh,
1: just on and on. I mean, I you know the least offensive racist joke in this movie, I think, comes when there's that the stern black judge in the in the in the courtroom, and Ted soothes him by singing soul music to him. And then the and then the black judge gets all happy. Oh, he's saying no, soul music to me.
0: Not, no, that's not an un, offensive. That
1: saying... is I'm what I'm saying is right, by relative standards that is the least offensive of the racist jokes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that like that is a that is a tired old horrible joke. And it's probably the it's probably the best you're gonna get oh, out of so that good. out of the string of jokes. One more thing
0: I want to point out: it's just mean spirited all around, not just yeah. toward black men, but a lot of the humor relies on watch us be mean to people.
1: Yeah, just kind of toward anyone.
0: Look, right? let us get on the roof with some apples and throw them at innocent pedestrians. Right. And isn't that very high- odd? Hilarious. Let's go to this place and just heckle the people on stage. Right.
1: Right. 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 Let's go to Comic Con and beat up on the comic book geeks, which is also kind of like an old tired punching bag. Yeah,
0: it's just. Like like You guys are really mean. You're really horrible. And I don't care if you're a person or a teddy bear. You're still being a jerk. Right. And you're still being racist. Right. Your humor is juvenile. And as you yes. said, it's antebellum. And if there was any intelligence to this movie at all, I might be able to give some of this a pass. But
1: exactly. But there's
0: no intelligence at all in any of this. No. Ma- Max is ten times
1: smarter. Max is smarter than this movie. Yeah. Well, it's – yeah. It's, it's – yeah. I think it, it Ted 2 would have been a so-so date – even without the nonstop racism. And I think with all of that, it just makes it a terrible date. I, found, I just found it really kind of excruciating and tiresome to sit through.
0: Yeah, I, I have to say this was a horrible date.
1: Yeah, I agree. Horrible, horrible date. I Tattoo, agree. Tattoo? No. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, what, do, what do we got coming up next, Kristen?
0: Well, we've talked about what's in the theater, but I think it's time to get on the couch.
2: You're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. Am I the Queen of England? I don't know, does the Queen of England only wear sweatpants?
0: When
1: you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. Ugh,
0: yes, I love this elastic waistband. Don't I you, do Ray, too. Or...
1: I love this so 50 good. 50 polycotton blend. <laughs> Okay,
0: well, it's sweatpants time when we talk about what you can watch on DVD, on VOD, on Netflix, on Hulu, on all those different services without leaving your house. So, Rayford the first one we're going to talk about is A Dangerous Game. This is a documentary about the ugly underbelly of the luxury golf course industry. So do you play golf?
1: I don't at all. All
0: right. Well, maybe you have some thoughts on this then. How do you feel about golf courses going into places like, I don't know, Arizona or Christine <laughs> Uh, World Heritage Sites or possibly Dubai. How do you feel about golf courses going into places like that?
1: It was one of the first things I thought when uh, California had its big – had and is still having its big water drought, and they started enforcing these really severe uh, water usage laws. And um, Mm -hmm. one of the first things I thought was there's a lot of golf courses in Southern California. They're going to be paying a lot of money to keep those lawns really green because, you know – L.A. is built on a desert. It's not supposed to be there. No. No, it's not. And I think it's so interesting that our
0: perception of a lot of the places in the world are like, oh, it's so lush, it's so green, look at these palm trees. Scottsdale. Yes. And it's like, no, none of that's supposed to be there. And, right. And that's something that a dangerous game is trying to investigate.
1: You need lots of water to facilitate the golf.
2: And we do not have much water around here.
1: Lake Las Vegas, the
0: man-made lake, is filled with over 3 billion gallons of drinking water. The lake has to be refilled every year. Where is the clinical evidence? Not an opinion,
1: an empirical assessment. Will you share it with the committee? You know what? I think I'm a lot more of an expert than the people that you'd like me to hire.
0: So this is a documentary directed by Anthony Baxter and it has a lot of famous talking heads in it, including Alec Baldwin and Robert Kennedy Jr. And um, we, this is actually a follow-up, by the way, to a film he made in 2011 called You've Been Trumped. And in his home in the British Isles and his community... In the first movie, Donald Trump came in and just kind of destroyed the whole community and put in this luxury golf course. And, <laughs> and then in this movie, the sequel, he is exploring all these other places in the world because his eyes have been opened. He's like, oh, my God, this is happening everywhere. This isn't just my town. This is happening everywhere. And what's interesting in this film is he actually gets Donald Trump to sit down and do a face-to-face interview with Uh him in this movie. And not just to chasing him down the street with a microphone thing, but actually sitting down in a studio and talking with him and saying, I want you to explain yourself. So I would say that for anybody who, like you and I, Rafer, may question the luxury golf course industry and may think that there are issues with it, and especially environmental issues, this movie is something that you might want to watch because it'll confirm a lot of your worst suspicions and it might just be gratifying for you to hear Donald
1: Trump put in the hot seat. Will it make you teed off? <laughs>
0: Oh, Rafer oh. oh Rafer they Rafer. should have
1: hired me to write Ted 2 imagine 90 minutes of those kind of jokes that would be hilarious oh
0: see but I'm laughing <laughs> well, I did not laugh once during Ted 2 alright uh,
1: okay I've got a sweatpants pick as well it's uh, a little bit of an oddball one but uh, it, it, I was thinking about it because this new family film Max that we just talked about uh, comes from a rather unusual source it's a director named Boaz Yakin um, who did a movie back in 2000 called Safe with Jason Statham. And yes, it is a Jason Statham action film. He plays a former police uh, cop, New York City cop, and uh, and of course is also a former cage wrestler because why wouldn't you be? Um, (laughs) Who in a strange twist of events gets teamed up with this little tiny uh, kind of sullen Chinese math prodigy. And they both go on the run from uh, some Russian gangsters all through New York. The, The Russians are chasing them. The corrupt cops are chasing them. Here's a clip.
2: You all right? You want to tell me why those men are after you? I can memorize anything. They showed me a very long number. Is there anything interesting to you
1: about these numbers? It's not just random. There's a sequence. It's a code. Yes, I know that all sounds just completely ridiculous, and it yes, is. Yes, it does. It's it sounds horrible. It is ridiculous, and uh, the movie got sort of mixed reviews, did not do very well in theaters, but I will say that it is one of the better directed action movies I have seen in a long time, and e- even though you may kind of see where the plot is going in general, scene by scene, as things are unfolding and fights are unfolding, you are always constantly surprised by what happens on screen. And I, I, was, I was really amazed at the way that uh, Boaz Yakin was able to give these action scenes like some punch, some impact, and a, a great deal of humor. There were times when I would just laugh out loud in this movie. I had a great time watching this movie. Clearly not anyone else liked it quite as much as I did. <laughs> but I am still going to recommend as my, as my sweatpants pick Safe from 2012 starring Jason Statham.
0: So you're saying – Watch Max in the theater, then come home and watch Safe and it's a perfect <laughs> afternoon All...
1: without without the kids, however. <laughs> without the kids.
0: Excellent. Well, stay with us because after the break we're talking with Nina Simone's daughter, Lisa Simone Kelly, and as usual, there's trivia. Movie Date is supported by the movie music stream at yourclassical.org, a new site for expertly curated streams, unique programs, and relevant features to promote calm and focus. Click, listen, and relive your favorite moments on the silver screen. Find a steady stream for your epic scenes with movies at yourclassical.org.
1: I'm Rafer Guzman.
0: And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is Movie Date. And Rafer, you put something so cute
1: on our Facebook
0: page a few days ago. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my two kids giving their reviews of Inside Out. They were not nearly as charmed.
0: Oh, my gosh. As and, I was. Just go on to Facebook.com slash Movie Date Podcast and see these two cuties. They're <laughs> Seven- and five-year-old reviews. And, you know, their faces say it all. Their, their faces, faces just... Re-
1: they really do. <laughs> and if you've got your own kids and you've taken them to see Inside Out, uh, send us their pictures too because, you know, the thing about kids is <laughs> they don't pull any punches.
0: No, they always
1: tell the truth. They really they, do. They, re- they really do. Even even if they're trying to be polite to you, you'll see it in their eyes. <laughs>
0: exactly. You'll see, I could not stand this movie, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: My five-year-old did say that to me uh, about maybe two-thirds of the way through. Can we go? (laughs) So there you go. I still loved it. I loved it a second time. I loved that movie just as much.
0: Oh, gosh. Well, all right. Well, whether or not your kids like Inside Out, who knows? It might just be more for adults. It might be more for adults, much like this documentary called What Happened, Miss Simone. This is all about Nina Simone. And... As we all know, Nina Simone was a great singer who specialized in R&B, in jazz. She was a great activist in the civil rights movement. She wasn't afraid to speak out about uh, the lynching of black people in America and to sing great songs about those, including Mississippi Goddamn, which was very controversial. And so this new documentary, What Happened Miss Simone, which is on Netflix and also in theaters today, is all about not just her public life, but things that are very surprising about her private life. The film is directed by Liz Garbus, and it's produced in part by Nina Simone's daughter, Lisa Simone Kelly. And I sat down with her a few days ago to talk about the film, and the first thing I wanted her to explain to our listeners was the fact that her mother wasn't always interested in becoming a famous singer. She initially wanted to do something else entirely, and this is what
2: she told us. My mother was a classically trained musician whose aspirations were to become the first black classical female pianist in this country. And um, so because of the times in which she was raised and the color of her skin, um, those dreams were not realized. And the first genre that um, gave her any notoriety, which was common for people of color at that time, was jazz hmm And the
0: color of her skin factored into a lot of parts of her life and played a role in her becoming a prominent figure in the civil rights movement. Did she bring that home? Were you brought up with that a part, as a part of your life?
2: Well, it's who you are. hmm When you deal with these types of things, you don't just turn it off and on. It's around you in uh, every moment. It lives in you. And the... Uh, years in which my mother was raised. She was born in 1933 in North Carolina. If we try to go back to that time and imagine what it was like to be a little black girl in North Carolina living on the other side of the tracks, the Ku Klux Klan was very active. Segregation, discrimination, racism was very overt with uh, whites only, coloreds only, Jim Crow was in effect. So there was a lot going on. I can only imagine what she might have witnessed much less had to have experienced on her own. So um, by the time my mother became an adult and a lot of these circumstances were still going on and she could find a place from which to speak out for the greater good and use the platform and her influence and her artistry to speak out against the injustices taking place, that's who you are. Uh, Her spirit was triggered to speak out When the four little girls were blown up in that church, something in her broke, and she wrote Mississippi Goddamn. And from that point on, she never really, uh, she stayed in that area in terms of her relationship to life and um, social, political um, things, situations that were going on.
0: You know, I, I actually was thinking about the four little girls quite a bit over the last week, as I know much of America has been thinking about those four little girls because of what happened in Charleston. And your mom passed away more than a decade ago. Do you think she would be surprised that this uh, type of racial violence is still existing in America today?
2: I don't know if surprised is the word that I would use. Um, I think that it would definitely strike, you know, you don't feel good about these kinds of things. You don't want to be right about these kinds of things. Um, So I think there would definitely be a sense of melancholy. There would be anger, a familiar, uh, which is the familiar companion to being subjected to this type of treatment uh, all of your life. Um, I think those would be the words that I would use more. She'd be angry and she'd be, there'd be a part of her that would just be like, damn, you know, not again. Surprised? I don't think she would be surprised, um, but I think that she wouldn't be happy about the fact that she wasn't surprised. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Disappointed in a sense of knowing yes. almost.
2: Yeah. Yes. Like, man, I just I wanted to be wrong. I thought this was over. You know, how many of us have died? How many of us have sacrificed so sacrificed so much for the movement to to move us forward, to just see these images again and have all these nightmares resurrected in real time. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, I just want to touch on you and your relationship with your mom, if we could, because this movie obviously is showing what a great talent your mom was and how instrumental she was in the American civil rights movement. But it's also showing what a violent temper your mother had and how abusive she was to you. And that must have been incredibly hard to see the whole world worshiping your mom for what she was doing outside your home and then to be living under the same roof where things were not so good.
2: Well, first, my dad abused my mom. He didn't abuse me. Um, That was going on between them, unfortunately. um, Our home was wasn't a happy home. Those were the sweet days, but when I remember those days... I don't feel a smile in my heart with regards to relationships. Uh, When I think of makes me happy, I think of my house, you know, the memories that I have of the things around it or the people around around it that were not necessarily my nannies and were not necessarily my parents. Um, But they were doing the best that they could. And, you know, We all know uh, where my mother was raised, and I've just uh, recounted that a few minutes ago. My dad was the youngest of five boys, born in 1925 to a white father. My grandfather's Dutch. And my grandmother is the color of ebony. If you can imagine what life must have been like for him. So my parents were the results, both of them, of their environments. We're not born abusers. We're not born angry. All of us are born the same. The, the tendencies that we pick up and the views we have are directly related to our social environment. And unfortunately, my parents, their anger and their inability to deal or much less acknowledge with the demons that they were dealing with surfaced when they were, not, when they were at odds and it surfaced and, and it scarred. Um, but at the same time, my parents also had a dream and they began to build an empire that, uh, to have a power couple of color at that time, building an empire like that in the music industry was um, was very unusual and was very avant-garde. So yes, on the outside, you had one image and behind closed doors, we had another one. And um, so... I felt it was very important. My husband and I took 10 years to find the pro- not only the proper platform, but the proper team uh, to tell this story. And um, I wanted to correct a lot of the misinformation and distortions that had become my mother's, my mother's truth. And in order to do that, you, you have to be willing to share your truth. And I'm not afraid to do that. Um, as the elders say, and as it says in the Bible, the truth shall set you free. Lisa Simone
0: Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That's Lisa Simone Kelly, daughter of Nina Simone and one of the producers of What Happened, Miss Simone, which is in theaters and on Netflix right now.
2: I put a spell on you.
1: Well, Kristen, it's almost time to go, but before we do, trivia.
0: Yes, trivia! So last week... You, you might recall we were talking about dope, and yep. in in that movie, our main character, he's just really into '90s hip hop, even though it's 2015. He just loves that '90s hip hop, and that made us think of movies that were actually in the '90s, kind of '90s hip hop movies. So we played a clip of one of those films.
2: Every time I come in the
1: kitchen, you're in the kitchen, in the goddamn refrigerator. Eating up all the food, all the chicken, all the pig feet, all the collard green, all the hog malls,
2: I want to eat some of them chitlin. I love pig feet.
0: We asked you to identify that film and we got a lot of right answers. Here's one of them.
2: Hi, this is Evelyn Ann in LJ, Georgia, and I have the answer to this week's trivia. Uh, this was
0: actually the last movie that I ever bought on VHS from our local blockbuster. So, um, yeah, the movie is Friday, and it was crazy and awesome. And uh, yeah, Chris Tucker, Ice Cube. Anyway, love the podcast.
1: All right, Evelyn Ann. That's right, Friday. Yes,
0: Evelyn Ann. Great job. VHS. What's the last movie you bought on VHS, boy, Rafer? <laughs> boy, I
1: could not tell you. I could not tell you. You not too long ago, uh, for reasons I won't get into. I was watching Spaceballs, the, the Mel Brooks <laughs> movie, and there's an extended VHS joke in the, in Spaceballs, and I just thought, boy, how much time has passed. This movie is now looking officially dated. No one's going
0: to get that. No, no, one's no get one that knows joke. what a VHS tape is now anymore. <laughs> it's what, like what picking that?
1: up one of those big, giant phones with the earpiece and the mouthpiece and putting it right next to your head. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, yes, good job. Friday with Ice Cube. So this week, because we've been talking about... Um, A Dangerous Game, the movie that uh, chastises the golf industry, Uh, we thought of another uh, film that sort of takes a look at golf and kind of also portrays golf as a somewhat dangerous game. Here's a clip.
2: I can't believe
1: you're a professional golfer. I think you should be working at the snack bar. You better relax, Bob. There is no way that you could have been as bad at hockey as you are at golf. All right, let's go. (laughs) If you oh, know the so name dangerous. If you <laughs> if you know the name of that movie about that angry, dangerous golfer, give us a call, 5717Movies. Or you can message us at facebook.com
0: slash movie date podcast.